Kia ora tato. Um, my name is Esme. Because uh, it's, you know, summer and it's chill and we've got a small crowd today, I'm going to try something new and try and talk sitting down to try and make it more casual and less of like a sermon. Um, but it may not work, so I may stand up, but for now it feels novel. Yeah, my name is Esme. For those um, who don't know me or for those who have forgotten who I am, I haven't really been here for a couple of months. Yeah, I um, was born in Auckland. I left there when I was 18, West Auckland specifically. It's an important distinction for those who are from Auckland. Um, and I um, yeah, moved from there um, and have lived in Wellington for the last probably eight or nine years. I've lived for the last five years up until this year in um, Chapters, which is the name of, um, for those who aren't familiar with it, you probably, you keep coming back here, you'll learn more and more about it, but it's, um, yeah, a program that a bunch of people from this community do, we live alongside each other, and I guess um, that take part in intentional discipleship um, and presence in our community, it's just one of many ways of doing that, but that is what I've been a part of for the last five years. I got married in October, um, and yeah, have kind of been MIA since then. Um, so, yeah, we're now back, and yeah, we're all stoked to be here and to see so many um, friendly faces. Saw something at the beach last weekend when it was very, very windy, so props to those who are there. And yeah, before I begin, I also just wanted to give a mahi to you guys for being here in a long weekend, um, and on a sunny day, and particularly those who have helped pull the service together um, today, um, particularly those in the back row over there on um, Caleb and Jacob on sound, and Flora on AV. It is um, even harder to come to church early to do set up when, when, when you can see the water. So um, yeah, it is great to be here. Yeah, I, if I was trying to think of like what a good like clickbait title for this talk would be to try and get people here on a long weekend. And the title of the talk was going to be um, New Year's Resolutions with Jesus. That, so think about that as I talk today. I'm going to share a lot of like disparate thoughts, but that's the theme of it um, this time of year. And thinking about the year ahead of us, I really enjoyed good stories just then. And I was thinking, actually, we could just keep doing good stories and I wouldn't even need to share because I was really enjoying those. And they're probably better than what I'm going to share. But I think a common theme throughout them I was thinking about is lots of reflection, lots of um, yeah, new things like was like what Jay was sharing about, um, with new study and the excitement of that. Um, Noah's new coffee cup that Paul was sharing about and also lots of reflections of the years that have been, um, which is something that I often find myself doing this time of year in New Year's time. And yeah, is anyone else here a big New Year's resolution person or even someone who finds themselves in a space of like reflection or planning or dreaming this time of year? Maybe just like, yeah, make some noise. It's more, I need some noise. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and even, yeah, even if you're not a New Year's resolution person, I think it's often a time that, um, yeah, there just is space to reflect this time of year. And yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately and I'm just gonna share some thoughts that I've had around that time. Yeah, I think one of the things I find really interesting, as I'm a big New Year's resolution person, I love it. I think partly it's because the year can get quite busy, and particularly towards the end of the year, you get caught up in it, and this is a nice time to reflect. But I always find this a really odd time to be making things like New Year's resolutions, like thinking about what's been and planning ahead and setting goals. And it's not always the best time for doing that, even though it's time that has more space. And I think that's for three reasons it's quite an odd time. One of them is that this time of year, I don't know about you guys, but I find myself on social media a lot more than I do throughout the year. I think because particularly on the weeks that I'm not at work, I work a nine to five job, so I have like two weeks off over Christmas, and I find myself on social media a lot, like on Instagram or Facebook and that kind of thing. And that's an odd time for two reasons. One is because I see what others are up to a lot more than I normally do, or I see people are up to who I'm not physically connecting with. Um, so I see people traveling overseas and I see people um, doing all sorts of things without the full context, just with the social media context. So I find myself comparing myself to others a lot more than I do throughout the year because I have a lot more time 
on social media. Um, and the other aspect of that is I get a lot more targeted ads over this time of year. Because I'm on social media a lot, I get advertised a lot of stuff. And over time, I think I convinced myself that I need that stuff. So I'm pretty susceptible to marketing. If you give me a targeted ad like 10 times, I'll probably buy it. Um, so things like gym memberships, things like, um, I don't know, different like sports sign up with different things, I'm always going to be convinced by those things. Um, so I find myself this time of year comparing myself to others a lot, being convinced by advertising and marketing of what I need quite a lot. Um, it's also an odd time because we take here a blueprint, we take a bit of a break over summer. Um, so we haven't been in Anvil House since the end of last year. And for me, I definitely find that I connect most with my faith and with God um, in the context of others, in the context of community, and at the moment that looks like this church. So I find myself in these weeks where I feel a little bit, not distant from God, but like feel like God is less on my every day or every week radar in this time of year. The third thing, third odd thing about this time is that I find myself this time of year around different people than I do around the rest of the year. I, I personally spend some time in Auckland um, over Christmas, which is where my parents live. Um, and they're people who, um, yeah, I, like I don't, I'm not usually around throughout the rest of the year. Um, and I spend time with other friends who maybe I grew up with, um, but aren't people who I'm here. So it's this really odd time where I am comparing myself to others. I am more susceptible to what I'm being marketed to. I'm not going to church and connected with my faith in that way. I'm around the people that I'm with throughout the entire year. And I decide that this is the time that I should be making goals and setting New Year's resolutions. <laughs> so every year, my list of New Year's resolutions is things like become a Les Mills instructor <laughs> or learn how to cook this cuisine I've never been interested in cooking before or sign up for this class or do this thing, not because I feel like I want to do that for the other sort of 50 weeks of the year, but because of those two weeks, I've gone, all these people on Instagram are doing this, so I need to do this. And I am seeing these in advertising to me, so therefore I need to do them. And I don't have the rhythms of church and the rhythms of my community around them to remind me who I am and also what God is saying to me. So I always find myself in this weird loop where I make these weird, these goals, I come back to Wellington, I am immersed in the community and space that I've been in, and then I look at those, and sometimes there's great stuff that sticks out, but sometimes there's some stuff where I go, oh, I don't know if Jesus was in the centre of that goal or in that resolution. Um, does anyone relate to any of that? Is that making sense? Cool. Yeah, so that's so, so all of that to say, led me to think about what does it look like to make, whether you call them news resolutions, whether you call them goals or reflections or hopes or dreams for the year, in this time we maybe have a little bit more reflection and time, what does it look like to make those things not with comparison, not with marketing, not with um, any of those things in the center, but with Jesus at the center. And so I guess today I'm just gonna share, yeah, some thoughts that I've had as I've done some of that thinking and some tools that I found useful in case other people find those things useful as well. Um, the first thing that I found useful um, is thinking about this idea of discipleship. And I mentioned before, I've lived in a community for the last five years uh, centered around discipleship, um, which is a word that just is thrown around Christian community a lot um, and can mean lots of different things. Uh, but to me, what discipleship means is just as simple as following Jesus and seeking to follow Jesus more and more, kind of in all aspects of your life. Um, I had a look actually, I took a screenshot on my phone. I was like, I hope I'll write about that today. So I looked it up. Um, and what I found was, I said this thing I was trying to quite like on this website, which said, discipleship means more than just the transfer of information. It refers to imitating the teacher's life, and including their values and, reprodu and reproducing their teachings. 
So it's not just following the teachings of someone, and in this case, Jesus. It is seeking to live in all aspects of your life more and more like Jesus. And I think, I don't have anything like super wise or super great to say about that, but nothing, just to say that I think all, all goals or all ways we want to orientate our lives as Christians or as people who are interested in Jesus, intrigued by Jesus, curious about Jesus, wherever you put yourself on that spectrum, our, our mission and our goal and everything that we set and all of our teachings should be towards becoming more and more like Jesus. And that can be really hard to work out what that looks like. Um, some of the tools I'm going to share about will hopefully help to work out what that means for you because um, it is a really, I believe, really individual process. One of the things that I found most useful was in one of my very first services that I came to um, in Blueprint maybe six or seven years ago, um, during the, the prayer time or worship time after the service, someone came and stood up, his name is Alex, um, and he shared that he'd um, yeah, just been like thinking about some pictures from God, and one of them was of a, um, a block of concrete, and he was saying to a block of marble or whatever you want it to be, and he was asking God, like, how do I be more like Jesus? How do I, how, how do I be more like you, God? And um, God said that it's, it's not like, you're not building something up from nothing, but it's like a big block of marble, and it's like when you make a sculpture, when you're making a sculpture of a tree, um, you're not building up a tree from scratch, you're just chipping away everything that isn't the tree. And I thought um, that was a really useful idea around discipleship, is when ourselves, when we, have, when we are seeking to be more like Jesus, we're not creating from scratch, we're just chipping away all the little bits and pieces that aren't Jesus. And I thought that was really useful and a really helpful way to break down that really big concept. Um, I think it'd be a tricky one because I think that narrative can be dangerously used to refer to things like sin or, or behaviours that aren't that, but I don't think it's what it's referring to. I think it's referring to things that we know within ourselves um, that God is inviting us into, um, and, our, and, only, and only we know those things. Um, yeah, so yeah, so my first kind of thing to think about as you think about the year to come, or the time to come, whatever way you like to break up kind of goals and resolutions and that sort of stuff, is to think about what is discipleship and what is the overarching yeah, thing that we're seeking beyond those things. Um, because my Instagram feed will tell me that those things are money, or stature, or career, or a really cool Instagram feed, which I desperately want, or more followers, or things like that. But what we are actually seeking um, in discipleship is to walk more in the way of Jesus. Cool. My second thing um, that I want to talk about is the way that I think we do that is by listening to God. And the reason why I say that is that I think that the what we are being called towards and pulled towards for every single person is so different. And there's definitely some commonalities. There's some things that lots of us will feel called towards, but it's all really different. For example, Jay is called towards doing a PhD. I am not called towards doing a PhD. And, yeah. Don't worry, I'm the one commissioning my sanity. Yeah, I would, do a, I would do a deal with God right now that I hope I'm never called towards that. But I, um, Be careful. Um, different people call towards different things. I, um, the, and the way, that we, the way that we know what our call is is by listening to that. And I also believe that yeah, not only God puts an individual call in our lives, but God also has very specific and very intentional timing around when those calls are. And the only way we know that is by listening. And I know that can be a really hard thing to do, and that's another thing, like the word discipleship, that is brought up a lot in the Christian community of just like, listen to God. Um, but what does that mean when um, God isn't like a physical being who's in front of you or that number you can just call on the phone? What does that look like? Um, the most obvious answer is through prayer. But even then, what, what does that look like? Um, one tool that I find really useful is um, through a model that I heard about a couple of years ago through my friend Zoe um, called the Nine Sacred Pathways. Has anyone heard of that? 
good, like 50% of people. I'll give a refresher to those people and also explain it for those who aren't familiar with it. And I'll give a very basic overview, but if you want to do more looking into it later on, it's called the Nine Sacred Pathways. And basically what that is, is talking about the fact that not all of us connect with God in the same way. So some people, they really, really connect to spoken prayer, find that an accessible way of connecting with God. And for some people, there are many, many other ways of doing that. And just like in any personality test, like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, or if you're familiar with any of those, um, you can do a quiz for it, but you can also just read about them and see which ones you connect to, and that, and that could be multiple ones. Um, so I also have them on my phone, a little bit more information about them, which I will read, and hopefully that will also help as a little aid to remember them as well. But have a think about as I read these, if there are any that you specifically connect to. So these are the nine here. Um, so the first one is the naturalists. Um, the naturalists, it says here, love God best outdoors. These people worship in the midst of God's creation. Uh, they celebrate his majesty and discover spiritual truths through nature. So for this kind of person, connecting with God and hearing from God may not look all the time like praying at the cross. It may look like going for a really good bush walk or going to the beach and watching the waves. And those will be the times where you feel God speaking to you the most. And that's really awesome and that is really valid. Number two is sensates. So God, sensates love God through their senses. It says here they worship uh, through sensual experiences, sights like art, sounds like music, smells, and more. Uh, these are the kind of people who, uh, I've, if it, I am not one of these people, but I have lived with these people before. Uh, they're the kind of people who will yeah, be driving in a car and notice a really beautiful sunset or, see, or hear something really, or hear a song and feel really deeply connected to God and creation. And um, yeah, it's always a beautiful thing to witness that, and it's not me, but that is like, another really beautiful form of connection to God. And there's traditionalists. Traditionalists love God through religious ritual and symbols. These people usually connect through traditions and sacraments of the church. Ascetics, ascetics, I actually don't know how to say this word, but um, they, go, they love God in solitude and simplicity. simplicity. These people worship through prayer and quiet time and absence of noise and distraction. Activists love God through confrontation, fighting for godly principles and values. Caregivers love God by serving others and connect to God by, through the process of giving. Enthusiasts love God through mystery and celebration. Um, they worship with outward displays of passion and enthusiasm. Contemplatives love God through adoration. They worship by their attentiveness, deep love and intimacy. And intellectuals love God with their mind and their hearts, open to a new attentiveness when they understand something new about God. So learning about God, engaging in things like theology, feel really connected in that way. And so there's a little picture that hopefully help you remind of those. And yeah, I want to bring it up just to say that in all these things, when we talk about listening to God and feeling called by God, all those things are super, super, super valid ways of doing that. And I wanted to give, I guess, the, the encouragement and also the challenge that if you're someone like me who goes, man, all my goals for this year, or all my resolutions for this year, or all my reflections are things that I've thought of when I've been sitting in my house, looking on social media, or talking to friends, and have built out of a place of comparison of what I feel like I should do, or what I have to do. Think about which of these pathways you might connect with, or, or you've experienced connection with before. Has it been a bushwalk? Has it been sitting somewhere in silence for a couple of hours, or 20 minutes, or however long that might be? Has it been through the process of learning more about God, and learning more about the Bible, and the context behind it? Has that been where you've connected? And I challenge everyone to, to do that sometime this week, um, and just to, just to see what happens, and just to see what comes out of that space. Um, so those are nine sacred pathways. Definitely recommend um, looking more into those. And yeah, the other tool that I wanted to talk about 
is, yeah, we're going to do an activity, and that is called the, um, the Invitation Challenge Matrix. Has anyone heard of that before or done that before? A few people, that's great. So I'll show what we're going to do. Um, if you have received your paper, I want you to draw a line down the middle that way and a line across that way, like a big cross on your paper. If you're someone who really likes straight lines, you can fold it in half and you can fold it in half again. There's another way of doing that. Yeah, the lines definitely do not need to be straight. You just kind of want four quadrants is what we're aiming for. And once you've done that, you can draw little arrows if you want to be flash. So one pointing up and one pointing this way. Um, and on that top one, write invitation. And in the other one, write challenge. Cool. And as you do that, I'll explain what we're going to do. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a diagram up there what we're going to do. Just ignore the words that are like in the quadrants and stuff and out. We'll talk about that soon. Have a think about some of the things in your life. Um, and if you want, you can find them on Space Number if you want to do that. The different parts that make up your life and where you would put it on, um, this is like a... In, in these two spectrums, um, in this matrix, I guess is what it's called. So just quickly go over what they are. Challenge is a space where you feel like, if I was on the further side of challenge, you'd feel like it's a space that's like, man, this is feeling really hard right now. It's really tiring. Um, it's really engaging my brain, my body, my any one of those things. It's feeling really, like it's a big thing in my life that is feeling really challenging. Um, and something could be anywhere along that spectrum there. And then invitation, is um yeah if, if, actually if the word invitation doesn't work for you another word that you can put on there is um, is care uh, is another word that people, that's people connect with better care is how cared for you feel in that space or how invited in how at home you feel in that space um so something could be high challenge and high invitation for example if you i've just joined a social basketball team and um, that's really high challenge because i've never played basketball before but i feel really supported and very good friends with everyone who's in the team and I feel like it's going to be great. So that would be high challenge, high invitation. Yeah, think about some of the things in your life and, and just start to plot them on those axes. So things that could go on there could be if you um, are studying, could be parts of your study, you could break that up into different pieces or just say study. If you have a job or volunteer or do any kind of like work in the day, that could go on there. So it could be things like specific relationships. Um, with different people, it could be um, something that you're learning to do right now, whether that's formally or informally. Um, yeah, try to try and take down like four or five kind of parts of your life in that spectrum, just for the next kind of maybe minute or so. As you um, yeah keep thinking about that, I'm going to explain yeah why I think this is a cool tool to help with thinking about some of this stuff. It's a thing that I've done for many years to kind of take stock of different aspects of my life and how I'm feeling about them going into a new year. Um, and it gives an opportunity again for us to invite God into some of those spaces. A few reflections I have looking at this. I think one of them is it's a really cool way of mapping out where different parts of your life are. And sometimes you, as you're doing it, you can almost surprise yourself a little bit. Like I think sometimes you're caught up in the flow of life um, and studying or working or volunteering or um, yeah, having different relationships with different people. They just kind of go on day by day. And you don't stop to go, oh, that space is actually... Way, it's actually really challenging and I haven't actually acknowledged that all that space is actually it was challenging and now it's actually not anymore and that's good to recognize um, some of the good stories before spoke to that as well um, so one good thing is to take stock of where different parts of life are I think it's also really good to map those things out and see where you tend to cluster or how things are spread out or if things tend to cluster in one of those different quadrants up there is some words that some people use to describe some of those different quadrants. This is just one that I found um, on Google quickly today, but there's yeah, lots of different words that are used for things. Um, if we look at those, 
the top right quadrant, um, so that one that exists with high invitation and high challenge, um, is often referred to as the growth quadrant um, or the discipling quadrant. And that's a space where it's yeah, it's a space where that maximum like growth and discipleship happen because it's a space where you're challenging yourself, but that challenge is met with um, is met with invitation. A word that I think is really useful to swap out a lot in this in this model is that the word invitation can actually also be swapped out with the word relationship. And I think that's really important is that often in these spaces that feel really challenging, the thing that helps with that invitation or helps that growth is relationship. And we see this all throughout scripture as well. I often think about my favourite disciple is Matthew, um, and I talk about that a lot. And I often think about how Matthew was um, a tax collector, for those who don't know, and Matthew was working as a tax collector. Has anyone seen the TV show The Chosen? Slight tangent. The TV, yeah. So the way this plays out in the TV show, um, and but also and it is based on scripture as well, is that Matthew is just working one day and gets called out by Jesus to come and follow him, and he stops what he's doing and follows Jesus. And I often just think about how much we take for granted how hard that would have been. Like he's a tax collector. He's probably I imagine good at maths, as interested in maths. I'm a software developer, so that's why I relate to the story, as I also love maths, and um, maths is probably one of my core skills. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's called to this life of following someone without any sense of control or being able to work things out or being able to have answers, and just switches to this way of life, um, a way of life which is still worth um, like talking to strangers and praying for people and being in risky scenarios. And that's super high challenge. And if it was like that for every disciple who followed Jesus, and it's like that for every disciple who follows Jesus now. But the thing that Jesus wraps around those people is relationship, is for Matthew, he wasn't alone. He had the other disciples that were with him in that journey who'd also been called out by Jesus. And I think sometimes the things that we're called into the most high challenge, we're called into those things with others. And we're called into those things in relationship with others. And often things, when I talk to people about this model often, often the space that people put as trickier um, or in that space of what you'll see on there, which is called stress culture, the place where things feel really stressful, often isn't actually because the thing itself is challenging um, or solely because it's challenging, but it's because of relationships being hard in that space or a lack of relationship in that space um, or broken relationship in that space. So yeah, as we fill this out, I would encourage you to have a look at it and think, have you clustered in one of these quadrants? Um, just to go through the other two, the one in the top left um, is often is referred to as cozy, as the cozy quadrant, um, or the safe quadrant, things like that. And coziness is great, and safety is great, and those are both great things. That, um, but they're also they are they're, they're spaces that are so so important to have, and spaces that I deeply hope that are present in everyone's lives. But they're also things that if we if every part of our lives was to exist in that quadrant, we wouldn't get that growth and discipleship that Jesus is calling us into. Um, so it's important that we have things in there. Um, it's really important that we have things in there and it's a good time to notice if there aren't so much things in that code, in that area, but also if too many things are there, we start to think about what could move us into that discipling space. And then bottom left is often what is referred to as board, there's other words for it as well, but the board, the board quadrant, the quadrant where something's not particularly challenging, it's not particularly inviting and that can, it's, a space where we can tend to plateau or aren't as engaged in what is in front of us. Um, I'm a little bit in the board quadrant with the book that I'm reading at the moment, and that it's not a very difficult book to read, um, but it's also not a very interesting book either. So I've, I haven't been reading in like a week, so I finally get myself out of that quadrant with my book so I can keep reading. Um, but yeah, so I'll encourage that. Have a look at it. Notice, 
Are you particularly clustered in one quadrant? Is there a quadrant where things are missing? Where is, is there lots of things in that cosy quadrant where you could be pulling more towards the discipling one? Is there nothing in that cosy quadrant? And you could think about what are spaces where you need more, um, more relationship or more support. Yeah, whatever you take from that, those are the reflections that I have from the exercise and different people have different ones, which is cool. Um, but yeah, if that exercise was helpful, would encourage you to keep filling it out, keep having a think about it, possibly revisit it, as Jacob was sharing in his good story. We sometimes don't notice the, the progress that we make in things, um, and you touched on it as well, Charlotte, that we don't notice things change over time. So this is quite a fun activity to check in with yourself every couple of months and go, have things changed or moved around from where I previously put them? Yeah, I think that is, that is everything that I was going to share. Um, I'll just finish with one story that I was going to share earlier, um, but I think I decided to save to the end. Um, a story of, I think, hearing from God and, uh, yeah, the, the danger that comes with asking God to be at the centre of your New Year's resolutions is that sometimes God will answer that prayer. <laughs> and that can be tricky. Um, one, one time at Blueprint Camp, I felt I was praying to God and asking God, what, what, what do you want for me? What is your resolution for me? And um, I um, felt this challenge, which was, at the time, I still am very attached to my material possessions, and it was, some people know the story already, but it was to um, give away my favourite thing that I owned. At the time, it was a denim jacket that was my dad's, and I knew I had a friend who really liked the jacket because she borrowed it from me all the time. So I went home and I gave her that jacket, and then she moved to Mexico, and I heard swiftly lost that jacket. But, um, but she gave her that jacket, and I think that was, that, was, and that was good. And then I felt like every year, I felt God say to me, I want you to keep doing it. I want you to keep giving away your favorite thing year on year. So every year I kept giving away my favorite thing. And over the years, I think I can see what God was doing with that, was that through that act of giving things away, it was shaping my heart more towards a space where I could be more open with my things. And then one year, it was again at Blueprint Camp, I was back in the same place, and I was praying and I asked um, God, I was like, cool, I'm getting pretty good at this. I wasn't even nervous about it. I was like, what do you want me to give away? <laughs> and I felt God say to me, um, your reputation. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I've prayed this one too many times. I feel completely happy giving away most of my things. But I, I'm terrified of risking my reputation. And that is really, really important to me. And I think what I took away from that is that yeah, when we, we truly put God at the centre of what, what God wants for our lives, um, that can be a really scary and a terrifying thing. Um, and it also, I think, speaks to my entire life, I have needed to hold on less tightly to my reputation. And like I said before, I, I want more Instagram followers. I want to have a great Instagram feed. I want people to think I'm cool. My whole life, I have had struggles with that. But I don't think that six, seven years ago, that was a challenge that God wanted to give me. It was a different challenge. And God's timing is beautiful and perfect. And when we get given those things, it's at the right time. So probably two years ago when I was given that challenge, um, it was the right time for that challenge. And it was the right time for me to receive that challenge. Um, and it's definitely a challenge that I'm still very much trying to live into. But yeah, just one more story of, I think, God's faithfulness and timing and God turning up when we ask them to be in the center of these questions for us and on these times. Yeah, so I hope those tools are useful. Um, I'm just going to pray for us to end, and then we're going to have just a little bit of um, more time just immersed in, um, in song, which will just be, we don't have live worship tonight, it'll just be through the speakers. Yeah, I encourage you to make yourself feel comfortable and just chill for a bit. Feel free to keep filling out this, um, or just, yeah, sit in space, or, you know, if there's any other ways that you engage with God in the nine secret pathways, feel free to do that. We don't have a lot of nature right in this building, but you can imagine. 
Um, yeah, I'll pray for us. And then, yeah, and after that time, um, this is my last weekend out to Dons for dinner. I'll be heading down there if you want to keep having conversations. I'll stand to pray. Yeah, loving God, um, thank you for this day and thank you for everyone who has gathered here today. Thank you for the ways that you speak um, to all of us because you know each of us so deeply. Yeah, I thank you that you know us deeper than um, the words of comparison or of jealousy or of um, feeling like we need to be or should be anything. I thank you that your voice is louder than that. And I just pray for your faithfulness to each of us that you speak deeply to us um, in the ways that yeah, each of us individually uh, that you desire us to hear you. Yeah, I just pray that, um, that you turn up and that you're really present in the spaces of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.